they what? just sink themselves too. Like that's the funniest part is when they sink themselves. They'll go in there and at first they're like, nah man, nah, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And then at like 37 business minutes in, they're like, yeah, okay, so listen, it was me. Look, it wasn't me online. I was at AOL minutes. <laughs> But I was in the car. I didn't do nothing. They went inside and robbed the place. I didn't do anything. I was sitting outside. I was not the driver. I was in the back passenger seat. They told me we were going to get some wings at Market Basket. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on. The AC was on. They were playing Look, did my you find, music. Did you find any buffalo sauce at the scene of the crime? Because my fingers were blasted with that buffalo sauce. <laughs> I was sitting Flavor blasted. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Hi. And Ryan. So listen, you know how we usually, uh, or how we always make fun of the Marlboro Miles, and I tell you how my grandfather, like, accrued enough Marlboro <laughs> Miles to have, like, a year of free chemo, or whatever the fuck. So, <laughs> Wait, he trained in his Marlboro Miles for a year of free chemo? <laughs> free, saying, wait chemo. a minute. He probably had enough Marlboro Miles, is what I'm saying. Free chemo uh, at the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I uh, I bought a pack of White Owl cigars uh, yesterday for reasons, and on the back totally you can fine. start redeeming them for bird bucks. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> fucking god, it's Marlboro what the hell Miles is a, all over again. What the fuck is a bird buck? It's White Owl's version of Marlboro Miles, man. I can't wait to save it for the fucking kayak or something. Oh, man. <laughs> the White oh. Owl kayak. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> this I just happened to notice because like, I threw currency. it away and it like it landed backside up and it just said "bird bucks" like with an X and I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> like, this is a joke. Uh. You and your you and your owl money, you know, you're you're too good for some Swisher sweets. Oh man, I do love me a Swisher though. Those are really good. I can't smoke anymore. For some reason, with the Chiari malformation, when I smoke, I get headaches. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't smoke. It's because if I drink from a straw too much, too, I also get headaches. Because the, the, the sucking motion, like, out of a straw, like the force you use, you actually kind of, like, slightly tense the back muscles in your neck. And uh, that's all it takes for me, buddies. So, you know what you should do? You should try those wide mouth Get straws. brain surgery? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If look, Mister Moneybags, who can just brain surgery is like an idea. Um, well, if it's it was one of the thick straws, like those really wide mouth straws, it, it yeah. requires considerably less suction. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I usually just I'm, take the straw out and drink like a man. I mean, I'm drinking <laughs> like a, a regular straw right now, and it's really strange because I'm used to like the big wide mouth because I have, like um, reusable metal ones. Yeah, and they're very nice. The way I get around it is, like, if I have a soda can, I just put the whole can in my mouth and flip my head back. <laughs> he, he drinks it like a duck would drink it. If a duck could drink from a can. Just, just picture a seagull eating a hot dog. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if some, type of, some type of bird uh, synonymous with the eating of trash could. I'm going to show you. It's just like this, guys. It's just like this. The seagull eating the, eating the hot dogs. <laughs> oh man good stuff speaking of seagulls eating hot dogs yeah who are we talking about this week <laughs> uh this week we're going to talk about some uh famous unsolved uh heists Ooh, nice oh, i love yes. it hole in the wall gang no that's well, solved db well, to them like like some of them though like I thought about, like, we could probably do, like, a whole episode on it, but, like, the Lufthansa heist, which is solved. Like, we know who was behind yeah, that. Yeah, because fucking Henry, Henry Hill copped yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah. It yeah. was Ray Liotta. 
it was Ray Liotta, Paul Sorvino, and you can't you can't try Paul because he's dead. But it, <laughs> Robert Robert De Niro as an yeah. Irishman pretending to be Irish, Jimmy Burke, Jimmy the Gent, because the uh, Mikey Francis, because with that heist too. Like, everybody who was involved in it was pretty much killed, except for a couple people. Like, because they all, like, like just the paranoia around yeah, the Jimmy heist. Yeah, Jimmy Burke. Jimmy yeah. Burke killed all of them. Um, if we're going to do a heist, and it would technically count as history, because they say, what, history is, what, 20-plus years earlier? We would have to do the North Hollywood bank robbery shootout, because that... And not even trying to be funny, it redefined policing in America. It did. And you had these two dudes that were hopped up on speedballs with fully automatic rifles just laying waste to the LAPD, and they couldn't do shit about it for, what, like two hours? And they ended up shooting guy in the fucking ankle to take him down. Like, they literally had to shoot him in his fucking ankle to, to drop him. Like, yeah. So yeah. now it changed he had the, uh, what cops carry and everything, and that would technically count as history, right? Well, because in he the. He had that like, Vita Molten going, you know? That, that yeah. World War II surplus Vita Molten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but like they were hopped up on speedballs. Hopped up on. Like on, AKs on. With, with like 50 round drums or like 100 round yeah, drums. They had, they they had were drum clips. Yeah, they had drum clips and they were hopped up on that Pervitin, bro. <laughs> and they, they had, uh, they had like, they were completely covered in body armor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Head to toe. Head to toe. Have you ever Dude. seen um, Killdozer, Ryan? I have not, but I know, like, kind of sort of the story. Ah, uh, dude, you gotta find it. it with the Appetite for Destruction metal yeah. music playing in the background. Oof. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. Which is, yeah. He took no lives that day, but his own. That's right. <laughs> so. Okay. There, there's a documentary on it on Netflix. The guy was the guy was an asshole, but I'll uh, say, okay, yeah, I'll say, wasn't he a dickhead? Kind yeah, of? he was a prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah he okay. was a massive asshole. Okay. Um, like, like they did kind of screw him over, but it was also like them screwing over like a guy that was like a massive who fucking like, deserved asshole. it. <laughs> so you fucked over a guy who deserved it. Like, all right, it sucks you fucked him over, but I, also, nah, no. I, I might be wrong, but like, because part of the, his grievance with the city was that they that they like boxed in his shop. Uh-huh. And and they were going to close it down because he he wasn't connected to the sewer, but it was one of those one of those instances where they had given him like plenty of opportunities to like do it, and, and he just my rights it all the way. It, yeah, and he just he just refused to get in on it because he was just like a he was just like a massive prick, and because gotcha. of that, like it, it just led to the, like him losing a shop and then him modifying a bulldozer into uh, essentially a tank. I've wow. seen the pictures of it. It's it's absolutely incredible. Maybe we could just do like a, an episode on just like uh, homemade crime ingenuity, like homeboys from North Hollywood, uh, killdozer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't, I can't really say Ted Kaczynski, even though he is technically like homegrown ingenuity. <laughs> well, he's also a genius. So. That's what I mean. Like he's fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But but you said heists that weren't solved. Yeah the the first one that we'll talk about, and the the first two are actually very similar. And the first one is the uh, Plymouth mail robbery. Um, okay. Um, this happened in 1962 on August 14th. Um, and this is where, uh, two, uh, two gunmen stopped a, a U.S. mail truck, which was delivering, uh, $1.5 million in small bills, uh, from Cape Cod to the Federal Reserve Bank in Boston. Mm. Like, like you do. Okay. Um, so it's about a three hour drive, but I, I can't imagine that they were running around in these little postal service vehicles that, uh, the- I'm picturing. What are they, 18 wheeler? Uh, I think they were just in a regular like like truck truck, like like a '60s style like like like, like the equivalent truck. 
Okay. Well, the equivalent of like a box truck. Okay. Um, the uh, in today's money, the amount of cash would be about uh, sixteen million uh, um, eighty thousand dollars. And it had cash money on it. Yeah, because yeah, remember it, this is the '60s. This is yeah. 1962. It was Birdman. Okay. Yeah, it was just Birdman, um, Lil Wayne. So, yeah, Birdman, <laughs> Lil Wayne, um, Master Juvenile. P. So no yeah, limit juvenile. 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 Yeah, that's right. No juvenile. Li- How do y'all juvenile was featuring. I heard you got a bank yeah on your bank yeah. <laughs> you go robbing the bank yeah on the bank yeah. Mmm, <laughs> you Sound a bank? Summer. I'm gonna rob that bank up. I love Juvenile, man. We used to make fun of him so much back in the day. Bro, he's great. The uh, the the two robbers that pulled off the heist, uh, they were dressed as police officers. Um, and they were armed with uh, submachine guns. Um, and after stopping the, the mail truck, uh, they tied up the driver and the, and the guard, and they drove the, uh, the truck themselves to an unknown location uh, where they dropped the money off in several different places. Um... The the truck and the and the two uh, the two uh, the guard and the driver um, who were with them uh, bound were were abandoned with the vehicle in Randolph, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, alongside uh, Route One Twenty Eight. So, all right. To give you guys some perspective, uh, Route One Twenty Eight is an incredibly busy highway that basically spans like Massachusetts. Um, coming from Cape Cod Massachusetts. Boston, is like, I don't know, a two-hour drive. Uh, but if you're coming from, like, Plymouth, it's probably about an hour, hour and a half, maybe. Um, but 128 is incredibly fucking busy. Like, that is a busy fucking highway to be trying to hide shit on. Um, so, so for about five years, uh, the, the U.S. Postal Service um, Inspection uh, Service and the FBI... Um, sort of uh, did an extensive uh, combing of New England uh, for leads on the robbery, but they were not able to find any um, any evidence. Um, they they had even at one point offered one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or or ten percent of of the money recovered um, as a cash reward, as well as a fifty thousand dollar reward from the postmaster general for information leading uh, to a conviction uh, of those responsible for the heist, um, and that they would. Um, and that they would even deem any suspect um, uh, killed in this um, in, in sort of being apprehended for this heist as being quote unquote convicted um, for the purposes of the reward. Wow! Wow! Shenanigans! Um, Goddamn! So uh, this led to a like a sort of uh, near hysteria in the Boston area throughout the uh, the early '60s as people are trying to find um, who did this and also cash in on them. Um, and, and even though some people were accused of the heist, um, there was no, um, there, there were no actual, um, evidence or, or convictions, uh, made in this, uh, despite, uh, local media, like, proclaiming certain people as being responsible. Okay. Um, so basically people just fingering each other. Yeah, and, and part of this, the, the reason why it only went on for five years is because there was a five-year statute of limitations, uh, federally, um, for- On robbery? For for this armed robbery, yes. Shut what? No fucking shot. It's five years for armed robbery. Federal statute of limitations. Yeah, at that time. Oh, okay, so they patched that fucking cheat code right there, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "What the fuck is this? It's been it's been five years, one day. Sorry, you can't prosecute me for that bank robbery I just pulled off." Um, but <laughs> boys. We gotta fix this. <laughs> Why does this keep happening? 
That is... That is... Okay, all right. Go ahead. That's fucking insane. Five years. Statute of limitations. I think the statute of limitations on, like, fucking jaywalking is longer than five years. <laughs> there is no statute of limitations on jaywalking, um, my friend. The, uh, the, we'll get the you post- sometime, Beer Baron. <laughs> the, the Postal Service Inspector and the Department of Justice also... Um, uh, had like a major campaign of surveillance and harassment going of all known robbers um, in the Boston area in order to to find out who did it. Is this the, is this the origin story for the town? It, it's not. Um, although that's that's another it plays very close along to it though. Like armed robbery, cops now start looking at all the people in town who are usually involved in robberies. Hysteria around town, but they did banks in the town. Yeah, they they only they only ripped off this truck, okay. um, and and truly before the statute of limitations were to expire, um, a, a federal grand jury indicted four men and a woman um, as being perpetrators of the robbery, um, but uh, one of the defendants um, he disappeared right before the trial and was never found again. Um, yeah, he was on Revere Beach somewhere, and the and the other defendants were were acquitted at trial. Oh man, okay. So that was um, the guy who's going to snitch, and all of a sudden he disappeared, and hey, everybody walks. So uh, to this day, um, one point five uh, the the one point five million in cash has never been accounted for. Um, but a, a Boston uh, mobster, uh, Vincent uh, Fat Vinny uh, uh, Teresa, the uh, a lieutenant of of Raymond um, Patriarca Senior, yeah, Patriarca. Uh, claimed, to, uh, claimed in his book My Life in the Mafia that uh, John uh, Red. Uh, Kelly was the man who planned the robbery, um, and that he uh, and that Fat Vinny had received a, a generous eighty cents on the dollar um, when the money was laundered through him. That's a good goddamn deal, Jesus Christ! Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Patriarcha later when we talk about um, one of the heists, um, which does also happen in Boston. The the Patriarcha crime family was like the major um, Italian mafia family in the like New England. Um, okay. Though, though yeah, the patriarchs were based out of uh, Providence, I believe mainly, um, because Islanders. because uh, Boston because Boston was firmly under the control of the Winter Hill Gang um, mm-hmm. by Whitey. that point under Whitey Bulger. Whitey. Bulging Whitey, they just uh, by the way, uh, Whitey snitch, Whitey Bulger <laughs> snitch pedophile. Whitey Bulger update: uh, they they just arrested. I guess they or they're charging the guys that killed him in prison. Apparently. No fucking. Yeah, I saw oh, that. They, like three yeah, guys. A couple days ago. Are they giving him a ticker tape parade? Like, what are they? Why? <laughs> uh, they really should. <laughs> yeah, they you? should give him a ticker tape parade. All right, we're letting Maybe you out for one day, like, so you can go down. Shows. You can go down on the main street, and we're gonna we're gonna cheer you on, and then you're going back in the hole. Yeah, and they're just gonna bring him into court. They're gonna these guys are gonna think they're being sentenced, and all of a sudden the judge is gonna be like, "I sentence you to 24 hours of fun and just fucking confetti." <laughs> <laughs> I sentence you to 24 hours of fun. <laughs> well, was, and then you go back to prison because you you're, you're doing a life sentence anyway. But you killed it. the right man, <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I, overlook that. <laughs> I think it's great. I love your idea. Oh, Let's do God. that. Let's do it Let's that do way. It. I was gonna say it's like, uh, wasn't it like Ted Bundy who got like beaten to death in the in the gym in jail? Like a yep. guy like yep smashed his smashed his head with a weight. Yep, sounds good. That sounds like appropriate for him, you know. I mean, and I'm not. That's a f- why they took weights out look, of Florida prisons. Look, I mean, you got to watch uh, Mr. In Between. There's good violence, good violence, and bad violence, and that's good violence. You know, it was it was either that or you know that he just started you know insulting him next to next to the wall that they shared in the prison, which he was chiseling through, and then and then when he got close <laughs> enough, he just grabbed him, th- 
grabbed him by the throat through the wall and strangled him to death, like in Oz. Yes, um, yes, exactly. Um, it, it's it's also funny too that don't bring um, up Oz because if you bring up Oz immediately start thinking about Adam BC's fucking hat and how it defies <laughs> the laws of physics. <laughs> God damn it! I haven't thought about that in so fucking long. Now you're fucked too. Sorry. It's, uh, it, it's also funny how uh, Whitey Bulger in like the '80s looked just like Gerald Ford. <laughs> oh my god Staggering Why news today do that? <laughs> Gerald Ford dead today At the staggering age of 83 <laughs> That, that's oh, a, that SNL bit I never thought about that Gerald Ford dead today Murdered by bees Okay enough <laughs> uh. um, the, the next one we're going to talk about is, is a very similar one that happened in Japan which is known as the three hundred million yen robbery. Just, that's so the, like eight fifty. That sounds like a that sounds like the name of a current anime. You know, <sighs> the three hundred million yen robbery. Yeah, because a lot of these animes that are out now have like really long. You know, especially the the isekai where they go uh, into another universe um, from our universe, and it's like they have the really long names. You know, yeah, like, it's. It's almost like the the Jav title. Uh, oh, yeah, account. the Japanese porn titles. Yeah, those yeah. are the best. <laughs> I tried to go to the bathroom, but my uncle stopped me and then had sex with me on the counter. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's how Jav titles are named. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's the ludicrous woman who lasciviously enters the 7-Eleven and then has sex in a blowbang. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie. At least it kind of gets right to the point about what you're going to see instead of like, I wake up horny and, you know, this person's in my room. Like, as or it's like, like, or it's like a dumb thing, like the, like the porn pizza police or some stupid yeah. shit. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. At least they tell you what you'd expect, you know? Um, so <laughs> That's the on- name of a jab title. I got you, dog. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So on December 10th, 1968, uh, four branch employees uh, from the Koku uh, Bunji uh, branch of the Nippon Trust Bank were transporting uh, 294,307,500 yen. What's that um, in at, freedom units? At, at about that time I in told 19, you about 850. And in 1968, <laughs> that was uh, $817,520 in today's money. Um, about six million nine hundred ninety-four thousand three hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Wow! All right, so I was close. Um, he said eight hundred twenty-five thousand. I said eight fifty. It was close. They were they, they were twenty-five thousand. They were transporting the money in in metal uh, container boxes uh, um, in a company car, and the boxes contained uh, the bonuses for the employees of uh, Toshiba's uh, Fuchu factory. So are they okay? You said company car. Are we talking like a armored car? With all this goddamn money? No, just just like a regular like just like a Lincoln Town car. Yeah. Oh my god! All right, go ahead, go for it, guys. <laughs> you're, you're you're braver than I. Um, they were they were stopped on the street next to uh, the Tokyo uh, Fuchu uh, prison um, by a young uh, uniformed police officer on a police motorcycle. See, breaking the rule, you're never supposed to stop by the prison. Um, Ever. They were yeah, they were. Uh, uh, Do not pick up were, hitchhikers. And they were, yeah, they were only about 200 meters uh, from their destination. Mm. Um, so the the point, <laughs> right there, you could see it. <laughs> the the police officer uh, who stopped them uh, informed them that the branch manager's house had been blown up, 
and that they had received warnings that dynamite had been planted um, in the in the company car. I um, see. So the Suspect. the so the the four employees they they exit the vehicle complying with the officer. Uh, while the officer crawled under the car to locate uh, the possible uh, bomb. Um, Moments after doing this, the employees noticed that uh, smoke and flames um, began to appear under the car as the officer rolled out, shouting that it was about to explode. Um, When the employees retreated to the prison walls, uh, the police officer got into the car and drove away. Wow! Listen, they were definitely not trained by Brinks. Oh my god, are you serious? This guy just hopped in and drove away after he lit a fucking sparkler under the car? <laughs> what's what's kind of funny, because, like, in, in the U.S., like, like bank, like, the, the, the people who, like, run the armor trucks and, like, do the money transfers and stuff, like, they're all armed and they all have, like, they have to follow, like, strict schedules and rules. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but, like, in China... They're they're all like strapped, like they're all wearing uh, they're all wearing vests, and they're all like they're all like openly wielding like shotguns. Okay. Um, and it's it's always very intimidating when the when the armored uh, car truck comes to like a, a bank in in China. So I imagine something similar happened that that somebody tried to rip off like it like an armored car. Uh huh. It's uh hi, it's very hi. similar in the United States. My friend did that for about ten years, and. Uh, yeah, they're all, they're all wearing vests, and they have massive weaponry, and they're well trained. Have you guys seen the video? And I believe it's South Africa. It's a white guy and a black guy in a car, and it's a dash cam. It's oh a- yeah, and he, he gets he, like it's just him like getting away from the people who are trying to, uh, to yeah. like, force them off the road. Like there's clearly cars, and they're shooting at them because you see like bullet holes in the glass, like yeah. spiders is bulletproof glass, and you see like the black guy's got the rifle. It's the white guy driving, and you can see like he is not ready for this. He was like, oh shit, and he, this guy is whipping this goddamn car around. You get like you see out the back window, he's like maneuvering this motherfucker. And I'm just like, this is incredible, like riveting television right I, here. I think the, <laughs> I, I, I think the, uh, the, the guard. I think it was like his like first month or something like that. I, I it think had to be because he was. N- you could look in his eyes, and he was not ready for that. But I mean, but, to be but fair, the, but the driver was a, the, the driver was like a pro though. He was just like yeah, ice cold like, the whole time. Yeah. I was about to say he looked like Danica Patrick behind the wheel, but then I was like, nah, I can think of that. Yeah, like, that, that's very common in, like, South Africa, because a, a buddy of mine, his his area specialty, um, he's a history professor, is in South Africa, and, like, he, like, I was talking to him about it, because, like, how bad the crime is there, and he said, like, yeah, he's like, when you go down the highway, you'll just see, like, burned out, like, semi-trucks on, like, the side of the road, and it's from, like, when they were, like, robbed. What? That's... I mean, that's awesome, but also, holy shit. Um, so at the time of the robbery, um, it, it, under Japanese laws that actually considered a robbery, it's considered a, um, a theft um, because he, he, he just drove off with the car. Yeah. He didn't actually like hold them up. Here in America, that would be like simple robbery because he um, didn't have a weapon or anything like that. So the uh, the employees they they had believed the thief was a police officer and they had accepted his story as well because the bank had received uh, threatening letters before this incident. Um, the uh, the smoke and flames that they had seen was actually a um, a flare that he had lit under the car while he was there. Surprising no one. Um, so at at some point after the robbery, the thief abandoned the car and transferred the metal boxes to another car, um, which he had stolen beforehand. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, that stolen car was also abandoned, 
and the boxes were transferred once again to another uh, stolen vehicle. So I'm going to tell you right now that was somebody that knew, like that was that was an inside man right there because he knew where that car was going to be, what it was going to have. You know right, I mean? maybe um, of. Of the of the evidence that was found at the scene of the crime, which was around 120 pieces, uh, one of which was uh, his motorcycle, which was just a regular motorcycle that he had painted white in order to, I guess, appear as a police motorcycle. Okay. Um, and it seems and he, that did he, he go down to like the Halloween, the spirit store around Halloween to get that costume? Spirit Halloween. <laughs> his <laughs> little his, plastic badge and the short shorts. Yeah, we were, we were suspicious <laughs> of the cop's short shorts. He's but got he, the, you know, nine one one costume. But yeah, the, the officer dangled. But he informed us that he needed his full range of motion, so that's why he he petitioned the department to wear the shorts. <laughs> uh. Oh god, some of the firefighters in my area wear shorts like when they're just doing medical calls and they wear like the short shorts. <laughs> Who wears short shorts? <laughs> just just the ones that are so short they don't actually have pockets. Yeah, they're called they're called nineteen eighties NBA professional yeah. shorts. They're not short shorts, I just have long legs. Come on man. They they're they're wearing their Larry Birds and then they <laughs> Um so it's believed that a lot of this evidence that was found at the scene had been purposely scattered by um, the thief um, in order to like confuse the police investigation. Makes sense. Um, the The primary suspect in the case was the 19 year old son of a police officer. I thought you were um, going to call him a son of a bitch for some I reason. I swear to yeah. God, I was waiting for that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the primary <laughs> suspect in this case, bitch. real fucking 19 son of a bitch. This is son of a bitch here. <laughs> but but he would die on December fifteenth, nineteen sixty eight, um, before he could be um, interrogated. Um, uh, he had no um, he had no alibi, um, but the money was not found at the time of his death, um, and it was um, and he was also considered not guilty after the fact, according to the uh, official record. The the police launch a, a massive investigation to try to find the suspect, um, including posting. Um, 780,000 uh, pictures throughout Japan of, of the crime scene and a list of suspects that included 110,000 names and, and 170,000 policemen what? would participate in the investigation, which was the Good largest investigation in Japanese history. Lord. Dude, that's that ridiculous. Yeah. 780,000 pieces of paper probably cost 300 million yen. Um, so they... Uh, they, they tried to examine the fingerprints gathered from the crime scene um, uh, with those that they had on file, which was around 6 million fingerprints, um, but they, no matches were found. Wow. Um, on, on December okay. 12th, 1969, a, a 26-year-old man was suspected um, by the, uh, uh, the Mainichi uh, Shimbun newspaper. Um, he was arrested on an unrelated charge, but he Mainichi had an alibi. Mainichi Shimbun, which means everyday newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> It um, does. It does. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. My my Japanese lessons, they work. Yeah. Mayanichi okay. means every day and uh uh Shimbun means newspaper. Um and Jitensha means bicycle. Um <laughs> the the day that the robbery happened was on a day that he was taking a proctored exam though, so he, he did have a plausible alibi. Um, plausibility about so it. They ev- <laughs> <laughs> so they well, rolled taking an exam. So they rolled. You might have really been there. He's like, no, like I signed in for it. Like I was definitely there. Yeah, but we, you know what? You might have been. We know what We got to check it out. Um, the the arrest though was seen as being made on false pretenses, and the arresting officer um, Mitsuo uh, Muto was um, 
was accused of abusing uh, power in doing such. Um, a friend of the original 19-year-old uh, suspect, um, he was um, he was arrested on an unrelated charge on November 15, 1975, uh, just before the statute of limitations ran out. Um, he had an, a large amount of money, um, which made him a suspect of the robbery, um, but and he was also 18 years old when the robbery occurred. Um, the, the police asked him uh, for why he had the large money, but he would not say anything, and they were not able to prove that the money had come from the robbery. It's a good thing he's not here in the States, though. They would have just taken it. Was that called civil asset forfeiture? They would just be like, which, yeah, this is ours. Which should not exist. Yeah. And any candidate that I ever see, I don't care if they're Ron DeSantis, if they are, if they are out to eliminate civil civil asset forfeiture. All right, I need you I'm to not consider, say anything you might regret. I'm going to consider. You might fucking regret. Uh, listen Steve. to me. <laughs> I'm going to consider voting for him because civil asset forfeiture is fucked up, dude. Yeah, fair enough. But don't even don't even think about doing. Oh my god. Oh, I would never vote for that. I would never vote for Lieutenant Commander Ron DeSantis. Fuck him. <laughs> oh my god. God. Yeah. Did Old you know he was a le- he's a lieutenant commander in the in the military? I had no idea. It, uh, it, did it you all, also know it all starts making uh, more sense why he's a fucking white nationalist? I mean, also failures get promoted, so that should tell you a lot. Yeah, well. he got Peter principled into uh, being the governor of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he was he was the butteriest male, so they yeah, him. that's right. He got buttery mailed right into Florida. Uh, um, the. The big one we're going to talk about is the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. Wait, um, okay, is that the one the up in uh, PA? It's in it's in Boston. Oh, okay. Who robbed the museum. I think I've I think I've heard of this one. I might have might have seen a documentary on it before, but go ahead. But the uh, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum uh, was constructed under the guidance of the art collector Isabella uh, Stewart Gardner um, to house her personal <laughs> art collection. Oh, word. A word. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the museum opened um, in 1903 to the general public, um, and it continued to expand the collection um, until uh, her death in 1924. Um, What'd she the, die of? Uh, probably something stupid. Isn't it the bloody rickets? Probably, probably natural causes, because she was 84 in 1924. Yeah, that's a good life. God damn. You might as well be yeah. a more... That's like Methuselah level. Good lord. Um, yeah. So she, she left the museum <laughs> with a $3.6 million endowment. Um, in, in 1924? Yeah. What the fuck yeah. is that? What's the valuation of that in today's money? 3.6 um, million? That's like billions, isn't it? And and she is probably in it's from it's probably uh like several hundred million, like 300 million. Whew, my god. Easily. Uh, um but but part of the stipulation was that the artwork could not be um, should not be altered um, in the collection, and that no items were to be sold or bought into the collection. So the collection had to stay the same as it was when she died. Okay. If you look up where the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum is in Boston, because I was curious, like I know I'd heard of it before, but I'd obviously never seen it. It's it's right around the corner from the Institute of Fine Arts, or I'm sorry, the Museum of Fine Arts. Yeah. But if you also scroll, you know, zoom out a little bit, it's also like smack dab in the middle of Boston Children's Hospital, uh, Harvard uh, University Medical School. Harvard. Uh, yeah, Harvard Medical School. Uh, Beth Israel, like it's in a very expensive and prestigious area of Boston. I can't say that it it was. What's like it called? The, what's 20s, it called? Right? Buckhead, Maryland. Is that it? No, Massachusetts. What? Where's the? What's yeah, the name yeah, of the yeah. area in Massachusetts that's like really prestigious? I mean, can't remember the I name mean, of it. 
there's a bunch of them. You got like no. Charlestown and like Charlestown might be Bunker it. Hill. It's it bunk. It could be Bunker Hill too. It's just one of those areas where it's like you know real hoity-toity. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. There's a fucking bunch of them now, unfortunately. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, high but- white concentration. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> Boston, Boston Brahmins all around. The people who thought that the Kennedys were trash, you know. <laughs> I mean, they were. I'm, I'm not joking. Like that was always Jack Kennedy's big, like his like or, or Joe Kennedy. That was like his big, uh, his his big like grindstone was that because uh, he was Catholic, and even though he was like rich and successful, that the uh, that the elites of Boston would like never accept his family. Just reminds me of that meme um, I'm posting on the Discord right now. <laughs> It's like the the Crest toothpaste, and it says when you research facts about terrorism in the United States, and it just says Crest noticeably white. <laughs> it, it's, it's very similar to you can also use a picture of the uh, Cars table water crackers. Yeah. <laughs> but the word crackers isn't like thirty two point font. And everything else is like eight point. Uh, good stuff. Um, by the 1980s, uh, the museum had sort of fallen into uh, into a bad state. Um, the, it it, for instance, lacked a, a modern uh, climate control system, which is like very important for for museums. Um, and um, and it also did not have a, a proper insurance policy, um, and and the building itself needed um, needed maintenance. Um, and the FBI also uncovered in 1982. Uh, that Boston criminals had planned to rob the museum, which caused the museum to allocate funds to improve security. So, uh, among the improvements they made were to add 60 infrared motion detectors and a closed-circuit television system consisting of uh, four cameras placed around the perimeter of the buildings. Um, there were there were no uh, cameras um, uh, within um, within the museum, as the board of trustees thought that installing that equipment um, in the historical building would be too expensive. What a bunch um, of cheap fucking assholes. Uh, more security guards were, were hired, um, and despite the improvements, the only way uh, police could be summoned to the museum was by a button that was at the security desk. So if um, you called, I just want to make this clear, if you called 911, they're going to be like, nah, bro, you got to go hit that button, right? I Well, I, I, assume, <laughs> I assume they would come, but, but yeah, like, probably. Like, we're not responding until, you, until security hits the button, sir. They tap the now. sign. <laughs> yeah. Hit the button. Um... Other other museums at the time had a had a failsafe system where uh, a night watchman would have to make hourly phone calls to the police to indicate that everything was fine. It's the everything is okay alarm. Yeah, that's the Metal Gear Solid alarm. In in 1988, um, an independent security consultant reviewed the museum's operations um, and determined that they were on uh, par with most other museums, but recommended improvements. Um, and the, the director of the uh, Museum of Fine Arts in Boston also suggested security improvements. Um, but because the museum was in such bad financial state, um, and because of uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner's uh, wishes against any renovations, uh, the Board of Trustees did not approve these security enhancements. Yeah, this sounds really familiar. Yep. Um, the, the board also denied a request from the, the security director for higher guard salaries, um, in a bid to attract uh, more qualified guards. Uh, you know uh, what, for then? The job. You know Story what, then? as old as time. <laughs> fuck them. Yeah. Yep. Fuck them. Fuck, fuck their um, art. Fuck most, everything. Because I am so of, pro-worker. I don't care how far the case goes back. Fuck them. They deserve fuck it. Em. Mo- fuck most them. Most of the guards were only making slightly above minimum wage, which is odd for guards that are guarding, you know. Right. Like, 
priceless priceless <laughs> artworks, right? Like back then, minimum wage, by the way, was a crust, a heel of bread, and uh, three pieces of metal. I think that's that's all uh, you got. Don't forget, don't forget the half a cup of hot water. Oh so, yeah, no, they, no, hot they no hot water was way above minimum wage. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just room temperature water then in a bowl. There you go. I mean, that's oh. medicine in China, right? <laughs> yeah, good for the <laughs> oh shenty. Uh, um, but all of these security flaws were well known to the guards um, as well. So all the all the guards as well that are being paid like peanuts, like they they know like if they were going to rip off the museum, they know how to do it. Um, so the robbery occurs on um, March eighteenth, nineteen ninety, which which was a Sunday. Um, so the the thieves were first witnessed around twelve thirty a.m. by uh, multiple uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, revelers. Uh, leaving a party near the museum. Um, the two men were disguised as police officers, and they had been parked in a hatchback um, on Palace Road, about 100 feet from the side entrance to the museum. Um, the the witnesses at that time who reported seeing them believed that they actually were policemen. Okay. Um, at that night, the museum guards on duty were uh, Rick um, Abbath, who was age 23, and Randy uh, Hestand, who was age 25. Um, Abath was a regular night watchman, um, and it was, uh, Heston's first time on the night shift. Um, this sounds like a recipe for disaster. So the, the policy, uh, for security at the museum was that one guard would patrol the galleries with a flashlight walkie talkie while the other one sat at the security desk. Um, Abath was on patrol first, um, and during his patrol, a fire alarm sounded off in different rooms in the museum, but he could not locate any fire or smoke. Um, Abath would return to the security room where the fire alarm control panel indicated smoke in, in, in multiple, uh, rooms. Um, he assumed that it was some type of malfunction and he shut down the panel. <laughs> um, he, he would go back on patrol and complete his rounds and he made a quick stop at the side entrance to the museum, briefly opening the side door and shutting it again. Um, he did not tell, um, Heston, um, he was doing this or why, which, which will come back up later. Uh, yeah, um, I should. Um, Abath completed his tour and would return to the security desk around 1 a.m., at which time um, Heston uh, began his rounds. Um, at 1.20 a.m., the thieves would drive up to the side entrance, park, and walk up to the side door. Um, after ringing the buzzer, um, they were connected to Abath through the intercom. Um, they explained to Abath that they were police investigating a disturbance and needed to be buzzed in. Um, Abath could see that they were police officers through the closed circuit television, which also, this is like an, an early, like, uh, well, probably a, like a late eighties, like CCTV. So it's probably not like the best picture. Yeah. It's probably yeah. crap. Uh, yeah. Garbage. Um, but, but he was, he was not aware of any, um, they said they needed to, uh, to handle a disturbance, uh, which he wasn't aware of, but he theorized that it had something to do with St. Patrick's Day going on, and that a, a drunk reveler had pro- had possibly like climbed over the fence, um, and, and it had been reported. Okay. Uh, Abath would let the men in at 1.24 a.m. Mistake. <laughs> That's um, it right there, mistake. <laughs> um, they were led into a locked foyer that, that separated the side door from the museum. Um, they approached Abath at his desk and asked if anyone else was in the museum, uh, and to bring them down. Uh, Abath radioed Heston uh, to return to the security desk. Very similar to the end of the town when they're robbing Fenway and Ben Aslick is dressed like a, a BPD cop and he's like, you call 911? Why are we here? We didn't call 911. Why are we here? Who else is here? Come on out here. 
sound yeah. very similar. God damn um, it. Abath, uh, Abath <laughs> noted that one of the police officers appeared to be wearing a, uh, a fake mustache. The shorter of the two men told Abath um, that he looked familiar and that they may have a warrant for his arrest and to come out from behind the desk and provide identification. Um, Abath complied, stepping away from the desk uh, where where the panic button was to call the police. Oh, fuck um, the shorter also man, has the police right in front of him. So, you know, the, the shorter man uh, pushed Abath against the wall, um, began frisking him and then handcuffed him. Um, or, or I should say he, he just spread his legs and handcuffed him. He was not frisked. Um, which okay. is which is not within you know police. Uh, well, he spread his uh, legs. Protocol. I mean, he was getting a little frisky. Yeah, giving a good time real quick. Yeah, a little good time, Charlie. All right. Um, and when <laughs> and, and around this time, yeah, and, and around this time, uh, I, I came to work the night job at the museum where the fake police officer came and forcibly frisked me. Yeah. Uh, Jav title. I um, I enjoyed it, so I'm not pressing charges. Um, around this bad. time. Uh, around this time, Heston arrives in the room, and the, the taller of the two uh, fake police officers handcuffs him. Uh, once they're both handcuffed, the police reveal their true intentions to rob the museum and ask the guards to not give them any problems. Um, I don't the, give us no problems. The the oh thieves would uh, would wrap duct tape around the heads and, and eyes of the guards, oh. uh, and, and they would lead the guards into the basement of the museum, where they were handcuffed to a steam pipe and workbench. Oof. That um, sucks. The thieves um, examined the wallets of the guards and explained that they knew where they live, um, and that if they told um, and and that they were not to tell authorities anything, um, and that they would get a reward in about a year. Um, so the the thieves. I finished, like it. The the thieves I call bullshit, but yeah, sure. The fin- the thieves finish subduing the guards. It takes them about less than fifteen minutes, and they're done by around uh, one thirty-five a.m. I would hope it takes less than 15 minutes. That seems like a long time to subdue guards. Um, well, you know, they had to wait for the other guy to come down. Okay, okay. I got um, you. So, we, we know the thieves' movements from the infrared trackers. Um, so, uh, the first room they enter um, was the Dutch room on the second floor, um, and this was all recorded until 1.48 a.m. Um, so, this is about 13 minutes after they finished with the guards. Um, and this is perhaps they waited to make sure that none of the police were informed that they had done this. Okay. Um, so the thieves approach paintings in the Dutch room, um, and the device, um, uh, there, there's a, there was a device in the room that began beeping, um, if a patron was too close to a painting, uh, which the thieves smash. Um, they, they took, um, the storm of Galilee and a lady and a gentleman in black, um, which are two, uh, paintings by Vermeer. Um, and they um, they threw them on the marble floor, which shattered their uh, glass frames. Um, and they uh, they would cut the um, they would cut the canvases of the paintings out of their stretchers. Um, they also removed a large uh, Rembrandt uh, self portrait uh, from the wall, but left it leaning against a cabinet. Um, <laughs> Did you get the Rembrandt? Fuck! No, I didn't. Fuck that thing. Oh, the um, the the storm on the Sea of Galilee. By the way, and a lady and gentleman are black are Rembrandt paintings, not Vermeer. Though they do steal a number of Vermeer paintings. Um, so so they it's believed that they left this one because it was too large to transport. Yeah. Um, and also because it was painted on wood as opposed to a canvas, uh, so they were unable to just like uh, cut it out. And, yeah, like, roll yeah, you it can't up. roll it up. Yeah, yeah. 
they 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 would though take a small postage stamped size self portrait etching of Rembrandt um, on display, uh, which was beneath the portrait. Okay. Uh, they also removed uh, the landscape with obelisk and the concert uh, from their uh, frames. Um, the landscape with obelisk is by Flink, mm-hmm. and and the. Um, And the uh, the concert was by um, where's the concert? It was by Vermeer. Hmm. Vermeer's um, so a they, very very pricey artist. I mean, like that shit's worth a lot of money. These are uh, all names I've never even heard before. You've never heard of Rembrandt before? Oh, Rembrandt. Yeah, we, okay. we yeah, know those, Steve's kind of like smudging the B and the R, but he said Rembrandt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know those Dutch masters you love? Well, these are them. <laughs> we sent word to every village to send their very best Dutch masters, and these are them. Oh, well, that, Dutch masters. That's somebody. that's the. Wait, hold on. There it is. At forty-five minutes. That's the intro. Uh, <laughs> that was a great joke. The the last item they would take from the room was a um, what is referred to as a goo. Which is a, a Chinese uh, bronze vessel. Uh, this one from the 12th century. Um, the, these are sort of uh, ritual vessels from the. Uh, sounds Jones. like a Jav title. The art thieves steal my goo. Yeah. No, it, it sounds like a, a candle that smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Uh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm oh, sorry. That's goop. My bad. This was goop. Um, same difference, which, bro. Which. <laughs> Which are from the uh, the first two actually confirmable uh, Chinese dynasties. Um, so, so these bronze vessels were made between uh, 1600 um, and 256 BC. The Yang and the Dang. Ding. <laughs> um, at 1.51 a.m., uh, while one thief was continuing to work in the Dutch room, the other entered a narrow hallway... Um, which was dubbed the short gallery on the other end of the second floor. Do we call it work, or should the thief... (laughs) I guess it's effort for money, you know? (laughs) Um, In this room, they began removing uh, screws from a frame displaying a Napoleonic flag, um, which was believed to be an effort to steal the flag. Um, But they give up uh, partway through, as as they did not remove all the, the screws, and they ultimately only took um, the the exposed um, eagle uh, finial from atop the flagpole, which like if you know like the like an imperial eagle like at the end of like a flagpole, mm-hmm. like like it's that. Um, okay. Right. They all, they would also take uh, five sketches by uh, Degas from the room as well. Ah, uh, it's one of my favorite artists. Um, the last lucky work, bastards. The the last work they they stole was the uh, the Shea uh, Tortini um, by Benet. I'm sorry, the what? Uh, Shea Tortoni by by Manet. Manet. Manet, yeah, Edward Manet. Yeah. Alright. Um, which was from the Blue Room on the first floor. I went to art uh, school, so I, I know the names, but I can't remember any other works. <laughs> um, d- despite this, they, they did not, um, the motion detectors did not um, detect any motion uh, within the Blue Room during their uh, the thief's time in the museum. Okay. Um, the only footsteps they recorded in the room that night were from Abath, uh, during the the times that he did his rounds on patrol, mm. um, as the as the thieves prepared to leave, they checked on the guards one last time and asked if they were comfortable. Um, they then removed. Um, they they then went to the security director's office, 
where they took the video cassettes that had recorded uh, their entrance on the closed circuit cameras, um, and also the data printouts uh, from the motion detecting equipment. All right. Uh, the the movement data though was still captured on a hard drive, which they did not take. Why? Um, they they probably didn't know about it because it was nineteen. Uh, yeah, they were stupid. It was Fuck it idiots. was nineteen ninety two. Fucking dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they they leave the they leave the frame from the the Shea uh, uh, Tortoni on the uh, security director's desk, um, and they moved. Um, and as they uh, moved to take the artwork out of the museum, uh, the side door entrance doors were open once at two forty a.m. and again uh, one last time at two forty five a.m. Um, the robbery itself only lasts one hundred and twenty one minutes, or um, only lasts uh, eighty one minutes, so an hour and twenty one minutes. Hmm. Okay. Um, the the uh, the guards that are um, confined in the basement are discovered by the next shift, uh, which comes in later that morning, um, and they realize that something was amiss when they could not establish contact with anyone inside the building to let them in. That's a, that's certainly a sign of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they they call hey Larry's the, uh, not answering his walkie. <laughs> they they called the security director, who upon entering the building with keys, found that nobody was at the watch desk and called the police. Uh oh. Uh, the police would search the building um, until they found the guards tied up in the basement. Um, so, in total, 13 works were stolen. Um, in 1990, the FBI estimated that the total value of the hall at that time was $200 million, um, and this was raised to $500 million by 2000. Jeez, man. Uh, in the late 2000s, uh, some of the art dealers, um, some some art dealers uh, asked about it suggested that the hall could be worth $600 million. Um, it was considered to be the highest value uh, museum robbery um, until it was surpassed by the uh, Dresden Green Vault burglary in um, 2019. Wait, so $600 million in like 60s money? Uh, $600 million in um, like, like around this time money. Oh my. That's insanity. Um, the most valuable items taken were from the Dutch Room. Um, the the concert by uh, by Vermeer um, was one of uh, only thirty four paintings that are attributed to him, which is also why Vermeer is like like so highly valued. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, the the um, the the concert uh, accounts for about um, uh, it in twenty fifteen. It was valued at uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, experts believe it may be the most valuable uh, stolen uh, art object in the world. Um, in the same room, they also uh, targeted uh, works by Rembrandt, which included, as I said, the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, um, which was his only seascape, um, and the most valuable work stolen that night. Um, at the time of the, um, at the time of the, or, or since the robbery occurred, um, in uh, around. Today it's valued about um, one hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other uh, Rembrandts taken were a lady and gentleman in black and a small and the small uh, postage size self portrait etching of him. Um, um, the the etching had also been stolen as well, but it had been returned in nineteen seventy. Okay. Um, it's believed that the thieves had taken the landscape with obelisk, believing it was a Rembrandt. Um, but, um, although it was long attributed to him, um, until it was, uh, uh, quietly credited to his pupil, 
uh, Govert Flink um, a few years before the heist occurred. So you stole something that you thought was a very famous painting. Come to find out, it was painted by famous painters. Oh well, it, it is white a it, pupil. It is yeah, it is a famous painting, but it was one of those things where because the style was so close, um, they may not have like found that out because it was also you know 1990. You know they're, Can you they're not being the person that buys that for fucking like tens of millions. Yeah, they, just could, to find out they couldn't go to like, like they couldn't go to wiki art. You know, like while they're oh on their cell God. phone. How much is this thing <laughs> worth? I don't know. Pull it up on your iPhone. No, I'm just saying, like, okay, so if you're an art collector, you have a very, like, a very, un- like, a very good understanding of what art pieces are roughly worth, right? Yeah, you would, you would hope so, yeah. So, if, imagine being these one of these art collectors who understands the price of this piece, and then come to find out, oh, but it's not actually Rembrandt that painted it. Whoopsie, you just spent tens of millions Oopsie, on something that's whoopsie. not actually worth tens of millions. Sorry, well, bro. I made a well, fucky what? wookie. Well, the, the, the least valuable item they stole was the goo. Um, and, um, and, and it's <laughs> very valuable to some people. Well, it's, it's, it's only estimated to be worth around, um, uh, several thousand dollars. The goo. The goo, baby. And, and it's probably because, like, I've, like, I've been to museums from, like, areas of China that were, were like, the, the Shang and, and Zhou dynasties were, like, um, situated. And, like, there are a lot of these, like, bronze vessels in circulation at museums. So I'm sure the actual, like, value of them is much lower because of that. Okay. Um, because, you know, it's not, like, a unique painting um, that came from an artist. All right. Um, of the of the five sketches they took were um, of the uh, French artist Degas. They were also considered to be um, relatively uh, not as valuable um, because they're, they were only worth around $100,000 combined. Um, and the and the imperial eagle they took, uh, which was around ten inches tall from the um, from the French imperial flag, um, was um, was also considered to be um, uh, taken because they thought it was made out of gold, which it was not. Um, there okay. is a what I said. Okay, um, and it's believed that um, and that the museum has a a uh, hundred thousand uh, dollar reward for information leading to its return. It's not a bad little payday. Um, and the uh, the Shea uh, uh, Tortoni by uh, by uh, Manet uh, was likely taken um, um, as as just like another um, item to like add to the mix. Yeah. Um, and and the the mix itself is very puzzling to experts because it doesn't really have like a theme because they're just grabbing these different things. Um, and because while these are while these paintings were valuable, um, they also passed up an opportunity to take works by uh, Raphael, um, Botticelli, and, and Michelangelo, um, and and didn't like bother to do anything to them. Um, and they also took uh, uh, low value items like the goo and the uh, and the the imperial eagle. The goo. <laughs> um, and they. And they also, and because of the way the thieves handled the, the items they stole, um, it's led investigators to believe that they had been uh, commissioned to steal particular works and that they themselves were not actually experts. Yeah, that sounds very likely. There's just a bunch of fucking Muppets that ran in there and just grabbed shit and hauled out. <laughs> a bunch of fucking Muppets. Um, <laughs> and, because, and because of uh, Gardner's will... Shooter. Because of Gardner's will... Um, that, that nothing in the museum should be changed since she died, 
Um, the empty frames um, for the stolen paintings are still hanging in their locations within the museum. So just a testament to failure that we got robbed. Um, because the museum has had very low funds um, and the lack of an insurance policy, uh, the director, because remember they no didn't have, what? yeah, they didn't have an insurance policy. Yeah, that's like one of the craziest parts about this whole thing is that a fucking museum did, Wait, did not you have say an that insurance already? policy. I somehow missed that because that's fucking no, he weird. did yeah, not. Was dur- he did not say that, did you? Yeah, I said that they lacked an insurance policy. Like I a, guess I just somehow just uh, zoned out. I guess I missed that somehow. But Jesus, I just remember like the first thing you do. I just remember from the documentary that that was like a big point that it had That's no insurance like, policy. That Brinks truck that got robbed out in California recently that for some reason was very hush hush, even though they lost hundreds of millions of dollars worth of priceless jewelry and money. Um, the uh, documentary I believe is called yeah, it's called even they were insured. It's called This Is a Robbery, by the way. It's on, oh. it's on Netflix. It's really good, by the okay. way. Okay. Um, That's... Okay. So they, they solicited help from uh, Sotheby's and Christie's um, at, to with a $1 million reward within three days of the robbery. Um, this was increased to $5 million in 1997. In 2017, it was doubled to $10 million uh, with an expiration date, date set for the end of the year. Um, and the... Um, and the reward was also extended following an outpouring of tips from the public. Um, which Everybody is, wanted a piece of that 10 milli, baby! Which is the largest bounty ever offered by a, a private institution. Yeah, um, that's, and that's nuts. The, and the reward is for, quote-unquote, information that leads directly to the recovery of all of their stolen items in good condition. Oh, uh, so if, the, if the stuff is fucked up when they get it back, you get no money? And the... Uh, and the and federal prosecutors have stated that anyone who willingly returns the items will not be prosecuted. Um, the statute of limitations for this heist expired in 1995 as well, um, so the thieves and anyone who participated in the theft cannot be prosecuted. Nice. So then why don't they just come out and just tell them who they are then? Um, well, well, we'll get to that. Um, there, there's a Uh-oh. reason for like why why Uh-oh. some of those people haven't, haven't done that. Um, so the FBI uh, took uh, control of the case on the grounds that the artwork most likely crossed uh, state lines after being taken. Um, they they called it the case unique because it lacked uh, strong physical evidence, um, and the thieves didn't leave uh, behind footprints, hair. Um, it is inconclusive if the fingerprints left at the scene were from the thieves or museum employees. Um, the FBI has done DNA analysis um, over the years. Um, but they but they found no um, no evidence, and also um, some of the evidence has also been lost um, from files over this time. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, of the two thieves, one was described as being five foot nine inches tall to five foot ten inches tall in his late thirties with a medium build, and the other as being around six feet tall um, to six um, six feet one inches tall in his early thirties with a heavier build. Um, initially, uh, security guard Rick Abath was investigated, um, because of his suspicious behavior on the night of the theft. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause, cause remember I said when he was on patrol, he had briefly, um, opened and shut the door, which some believed could have been a signal to the thieves parked outside. Like, open um, and shut the front door, you say? Side door. Side door, okay. And, and Abath would tell authorities that he did this routinely to ensure the door was locked. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a normal thing. Like, not trying to be funny. Like, that's a normal thing. 
Um, it, one of uh, Abath's colleagues told journalists that if that if Abath had opened the door routinely, as he maintains, uh, supervisors would have seen it on computer printouts and put a stop to it. Um, Uh-oh. And, and also, um, uh, with suspicion to the museum's motion detectors, which did not detect any movement in the blue room uh, during the, the 81 minutes the thieves were in the museum. Because remember, the only footsteps in that room that night were Abath's during his security patrol. Right. Uh, a, a security consultant reviewed the motion detector equipment several weeks after the theft and determined it were it was operating correctly. Um, Abath would maintain his innocence, and the FBI um, agent overseeing the case in its early years determined that the guards were uh, too incompetent and foolish to have pulled off the crime. Um, that's hilarious. It, 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 <laughs> You're too fucking stupid. We're gonna re- release you as a suspect. That's like uh, that's like <laughs> one of those things that you wish for only in certain circumstances, like you know, jury duty. Like, uh, yeah, we're gonna yeah. roll this guy out. He's a complete idiot. Like, uh, he's uh, so fucking stupid. Nailed it. Way. Nailed it. Yeah. And, I don't think that's the win you think it is. And <laughs> in, in 2015, the FBI would release a security video from the museum on the night of the theft, showing Abath buzzing in an unidentified unidentified man into the museum um, that he conversed with at the security death. Um, Abath uh, would tell investigators that he could not recall the incident or recognize the man, um, so the FBI requested the the assistance of the public. Um, Several uh, former guards, though, came forward and said that that was actually the museum's security director. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Or deputy security chief. Wait, wait, wait. So he let somebody in and had a conversation with them, but then when he was asked about it, he's like, oh, I can't fucking remember. Yeah. Did I catch that right? Yeah. I can understand if you're like, hey, this person that walk- that you let in that walked past you, that, that like they forgot their key, so you let him in. Who was that? I can understand being like, I, I can't fucking remember who that was. Well, they did. Versus well, they- you had a whole ass conversation. And you can't remember who that was? Well, this and was it also, was your fucking boss? Well, this is also <laughs> 25 years after the fact. Oh, that's a long time, dude. Yeah, but I can also remember conversations I was having, like, with the nuns that were kicking the shit out of me in, all like, right. elementary all school, right, but, Catholic school. All right, but against your argument is that basically, you know, like, some people don't have memories like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like my memory's really spotty. I, I have, because of the ADHD, I mean, I, I'll remember, like, shit nobody else remembers, clear as day. And then, uh-huh. like, if you ask me what I ate for dinner a week ago, I can't remember what I ate for dinner a day ago. Like, it takes me oh, a minute to figure it out. Bro- that's 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 early onset dementia, man. I've had that since I was a teenager, <laughs> my brother, <laughs> my dude. We, we have to remember. Thanks for the diagnosis, we... Doc. Jesus Christ! I think you need to go get checked out, man. Yeah. For... Well, you know, I I, I will. I want to. My brother, when he was first doing physical therapy, and he was working in a senior center um, as a, a PT A or whatever the assistant, and. Mm. Uh, there was some guy in there who had dementia, Alzheimer's diagnosis, and every single day he woke up and thought it was New Year's Eve, and that's how I want. That's what I want. You want fifty first dates though? Like that's every like, day is New Year's Eve. I walk up to the nurses and I'm asking for champagne. Oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> fucking awesome. Where's the because cocktail weenies? Love you. They're either gonna love you or they're going to fucking despise you. If you work <laughs> in that level of care and you don't already despise everyone in there. Like, like, to me, to me, there's no way you're paying attention. Yeah, there are two. There are two positions in the world where 
they require con- they should have constant mental health support. They should have massive amount of time off, and that is senior care and police officers. Because what ruins those to me, what ruins those professions is that you just are exposed to a lot of stupid mental strain, and you get no support. Hi, can we add firefighters and EMS? I, you know, I, I will. I, what I'll do is I'll, <laughs> I'll spread that out to say all first responders should have. And uh, can we also spread that out to retail workers dealing with Karens on a regular nah, basis dude. coming in there and screaming fuck and yelling at them because getting paid minimum, <laughs> getting no, paid minimum no, wage to them. deal with those fucking psychotic customers every day, bro? You need a mental health break every now and then. I hey, mean, can we just expand this to We just should just say everyone? workers. That's a good point. Yeah, you, you're really making a good point here. I think can like. We just give everybody vacation. Hey, I, well, I worked with a guy, Kurt, and uh, he came back over here for a few months, but he, he was working out of my last company. He worked at our German office, and mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, he, he, what was it? He got like two months off a year, and he could tell, all he had to do was give our company a, a week's notice to let them know that he was going to take a month off, and it was law. They get a mental health holiday, thirty days. Have you? Have you? I mean, you have to understand how Europe works, right? Like, they all can take as much fucking vacation time almost as they want. I feel like. Well, I'm just saying that, like, that month was like legislated, so like our company couldn't. They they were up Shit's Creek. They were just like, well, I guess we have to let them have off. They can't. Yeah, no, that's all law over yeah, there. Yeah, well. it's it's also so common in like France, where like the whole country will take off for like several months. America, Americans, America. Americans do not baby. realize how fucked we are and when even, it comes to work. Even, right. the even China, machine. let's go. Chi- yeah, Chinese, even fucking China gives them breaks. Yeah, China, China <laughs> really? gets more China? days off than the yes. U.S. does. Yeah. That's just fucking crazy, man. I feel like and China even also even gets everyone, like, even uh, like the the factory workers, yeah. Even the factory right. workers yeah. and like the like the Foxconn factories with the suicide nets, they still get like twenty four days off a year or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Um, Welcome to America, baby. Feed the machine. Capitalism must and, continue. And, and you have to remember with Abath too that he was already like legally declared a dumbass by the FBI investigators. So it's not like if you're a thief, he's like that's the ultimate thing you want the FBI to just be like, "There's no way this guy did it. He's an idiot." <laughs> Yeah, well, th- this isn't like the usual suspects, though. You know, I don't, I don't think he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean by that? that? What do you mean by that? Well, well, I mean that he's like putting on a character, and that that all this time, you know, he's like this criminal mastermind that he just like he just like unslouches and like straightens up as he like leaves. The so, movie. like, the thing is, is wait, wait, you've never seen, you've never seen the usual suspects. Seen it like ten times, but I didn't oh, understand this okay, point. Okay. What, what I'm saying well, you is, Steve, you just fucking totally ruined no, the movie. I'm not. It take. I, I don't process things quickly like that. I need a second to think about it. But like, the thing is, is either way, it even if he wasn't a criminal genius, that's still if you're a fucking thief and the FBI just yeah. declares you an idiot, that's great. They're they're not going to charge you with anything. Because they basically have just said, "Now you're an idiot." Like, there's no way uh, this guy did me, it. But see, correct me if I'm wrong. They also said Timothy McVeigh was a fucking moron too, and that Terry Nichols was the brains of the operation. But they definitely still fucking gave well, Timothy McVeigh the needle, even well, though he was a fucking dumbass. Well, yeah, and he he also had a lot of help because of how like I think that's different because though. well, well, like well, well, no, it's it's more that he was. I wouldn't say he was a patsy, but more that he was like pushed along. He to, was 100% not a patsy. Because, well, well I'm not, that, that's why I said he's not a patsy, but he was somebody who was, who was, like, a person who was willing to do it, and people within the white supremacist movement, like, sort of pushed him along to do it, and gave him help, and just sort of, like, held his hand along the way. Because he what we call a push button. 
Because before, because like by the like late seventies, early eighties, there was a big thing in the white supremacist movement that they were like knocking off banks and stuff. Which is like one of the reasons why Ruby Ridge happened is that right. because the ATF and FBI had started infiltrating these movements, right. because these guys are like ripping off banks in the Midwest and like murdering like like Jewish radio hosts um, yeah. on the regular. Um, and then so they completely infiltrate them. So they just decapitate the leadership of it. And the people who are still around when the dust settles essentially say is that we're going to do what's called leaderless resistance. And that is where if somebody like your Timothy McVeigh decides that they're going to do something, we're going to give them help along the way, but we're going to hide our involvement. But the whole way you're going to have all these different people helping him, but hiding that. There's a, there's also a little fun fact. If you didn't know, Timothy McVeigh was at Waco when the siege was going on, uh, handing out white nationalist uh, pamphlets. And oh, good. I'm glad. I hope they gave yeah. him fucking two needles then, because we got to weed those well, he, guys. He's up. been dead, bro. No, I'm. So, I, I, yeah, I, I get that, dude. I said I hope they gave him two needles. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hope they took a couple tries to stick him. Fuck. Um, <laughs> just fucked his arm missed, up. They just missed a few times before they actually got a whoops. I'm not a fan of. Uh, of the death penalty, but in, in very specific circumstances, and that was one of them where it was very clear-cut that mm, a man yeah, had to go. I, just, I, I will 100% fight tooth and nail to the death of me that state-sanctioned execution should not be happening. I agree. 100%. I, want, I, I, I am even, pretty much I'm pretty much 100% behind you, except in a case of uh, like video evidence of commission of an extreme crime. So like if you if you know with absolute certainty that someone committed an absolutely atrocious crime, then I, I still am not okay with the death penalty in principle, but I get it. But oh, yeah, no, I can, but I can if you don't have if you, executed, yeah. if you don't have like that clear cut, if there is not anything conclusively linking this person to that crime, then I don't think you can in good conscience kill them. I think it's just and that is why I do not believe in state-sanctioned yeah. executions. So how many cases do we period. see every year where some guy that's been on death row or has been in jail for, like, you know, for life comes out and it's like, oh, he's been in jail for 38 years and he's been exonerated with DNA evidence? Like, it's just... Worse is when they're executed. And then after the fact, right. it, like, Texas specifically would be like, oh, whoops. Yeah. Man, man fuck oh, you. Are you sorry. So, like, you should have never done it in the first place. Yeah. You should have never fucking done it. And they asked uh, yeah, it's bad. Rick Perry... They were like, "Hey, how do you, you know, how you know, how do you sleep knowing even if one percent of the people that you execute are, you know, how innocent? do you sleep when like, you're yeah. Rick Perry? Yeah, he's like, I don't care. He's yeah. like, I don't care. Rick Perry's it's only one percent. Rick Perry's a douchebag anyway. He's the he's the one that got caught with the rock on his hunting uh, hunting lodge that had the N word written on it. Oh my, and, and he still got voted into office. It's Texas. Are you fucking surprised? Nah, I'm not surprised. Okay. The um, one of the uh, suspects that was believed to be involved in the either the planning or the execution of the robbery was, of course, Whitey Bulger, um, because at that time Whitey Bulger is the head of organized crime in the Boston area, and nothing really happens. Um, like we don't really have as strong like an organized crime um, community um, today as we did in the past. Um, but generally, um, in areas that have like a strong organized crime presence, you don't do anything in that town unless you get um, unless you get the permission of the like the main crime family or organization in the area. Right. Um, and usually you have to offer. Yeah. Usually they have to get a taste. You have to give them a, a bit of what you're taking as sort of like a commission for committing the crime. One hundred percent true. Um, so uh, Whitey Bulger would claim that he did not organize the heist. Um, and that he had actually sent out people to determine who had did it um, because they had committed it without paying him tribute. 
when did he say this, I guess is my question, because it, depending on when he said that, I will believe him. I, I think it was probably uh, closer to before he went on the run. I don't I don't think this was after he was in prison. I think this was when he was still under surveillance. Okay, I, I mean, I, I might believe that then. I'll believe that. Um, uh, an FBI agent, uh, Thomas McShane, who, who investigated Bulger for his involvement, um, he determined that, that Bulger could have possibly given them the, the Boston police uniforms um, because he had strong ties uh, with the Boston police um, and that uh, real police could have also been used in the heist. Hey, do you know who else could have given them uniforms? Is the fucking cleaners, because Boston police bring their uniforms to the dry cleaners in the city. <laughs> Anybody working at a dry cleaner could have given them a fucking goddamn uniform. Like, <laughs> hey, no ticket, no ticket. Hey, man. Um, and then um, after that as well, um, there's also the connection to the Irish Republican Army. Um, Whitey Bulger and the Winter Hill Gang were also strongly connected with the Irish Republican Army. Oh, um, the raw baby. And that, um, and that what had happened um, previously to the heist, um, that a fire alarm had been pulled in the museum, which was also a calling card of the Irish Republican Army and also the Ulster Volunteer Force. Um, both of these organizations, because remember I the trouble. I tell you how hard I am right now talking about this stuff. I am on bricks, baby. Let's oh go. Oh, my God. <laughs> because, because, of the, uh, because the troubles are still ongoing. Let's um, go. That both of these organizations have agents in Boston at that time and have both uh, sort of shown that they had the ability to carry out such a heist. Um, McShane um, investigation of Bulger and the IRA, though, did not produce any evidence Ian to McShane? The theft. There is, I mean, I don't know what that was, but uh, there has definitely 100% been a conclusive, without a shadow of a doubt, link uh, between the IRA and the Winter Hill Gang. That, oh, oh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, yes, but not the Winter but, Hill Gang. But, but not this robbery, though. Just, yeah, just like the yeah. gun running and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, according to a, um, a, a retired um, investigator from Scotland Yard that dealt in um, art and antiquities theft, um, Charlie Hill... Um, he believes that Bulger gave the, the works that he stole to the IRA and that they are most likely in Ireland. Uh, I don't like it, but okay. I don't like it. I, I don't um, buy that. I don't in, like in it. Nah, I don't buy that. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't think that they would ship him off to fucking Ireland. I, I believe that if, if anywhere... It's you think they uh, shipped somewhere. him up to Boston? <laughs> hey, <laughs> a little no, dropkick Murphy's humor him. there, folks. Bah, 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 they're, bah. Just, they're just displayed in someone's like shitty northeastern like basement with like, the wood yeah. paneling from like the 70s. <laughs> like They got a fucking <laughs> Vermeer on the wall. <laughs> they're in somebody's finished basement. And this here... Malden. <laughs> this is your Aunt Mulva's Vermeer. Now, if you look over here next to my... Uh, my Sam Adams neon sign. I got this. It's a it's a Varmia. <laughs> Listen, it's in somebody's shitty fucking half finished basement in fucking Malden right next door to Stop and Shop. <laughs> hey, they got a hey, fucking fifty million hey, dollar painting. Don't drink your up. beer next to that. Don't don't you drink that. That's that thing's worth millions of dollars. That's my retirement. Right, right next to a neon lit Sam Adams sign. <laughs> <laughs> no frame it's just a fucking tacked up on the walls of push pits <laughs> right next to a Tom Brady poster <gasps> um, it's my Vermeer yeah, which goat. is right next to my Tom hey don't you uh, talk bad about Tom he's the fucking goat don't ever forget it, it in 1994 uh, the museum director uh, Ann Howley would receive an anonymous letter from someone claiming uh, to, to have connections to the artwork and was willing to negotiate a return. 
Um, they explained that they were a third party and they did not know the identity of the thieves. Of course. Um, they explained that the artwork was stolen to reduce a prison sentence, but as the opportunity had passed, there was no longer a motive to keep the artwork and they wanted to negotiate a return. Um, they explained that the artwork was held in a quote-unquote non-common law country under climate-controlled conditions. Um, they, the negotiator wanted immunity for themselves and all others involved and $2.6 million for the return of the artwork, which would be sent to an offshore bank account at the same time the art was handed over. Okay. Uh, the, the museum was interested in negotiating, um, or if they weren't interested in negotiating, they should send a, uh, a coded message in the Boston Globe. Um, to establish credence, the writer conveyed, um, uh, information that was only known by the museum and the FBI at that time. All right. Um, Howie felt this was a strong lead and contacted the FBI, um, who then contacted the Globe, and the coded message was printed in the May 1st, 1994 edition of the Boston Globe. Um, Howie would receive a second letter a few days later in which the writer acknowledged the museum uh, was interested in negotiating, but had become fearful of what they perceived was a uh, massive investigation um, by authorities to determine their identity. Um, the writer explained that they needed time to evaluate their options, um, but they never contacted the museum again. Like you um, do. One, one suspected uh, culprit was a Brian McDevitt, um, who was a con man from the Boston area um, who had tried to rob the Hyde Collection in Glen Falls, New York in 1981. Um, during that robbery, he had dressed up as a FedEx driver um, carrying handcuffs and duct tape and plan to steal Rembrandt. <laughs> Why does everybody want to steal Rembrandt? Is that like the, the painting du jour to steal? Well, yeah, they're, they're high value. It's a known artist, you know, the, the Dutch masters. Um, and, and they're, they're also, uh, I guess, probably more prevalent in the United States and in Europe. Okay. I, I'm guessing more of the Italian masters are in, um, are in European collections. Mm. Okay. Um, so since, um, he was also a, a, a flag aficionado, um, and that fucking um, love and flags that, and that he <laughs> love vexology. That's just his guy. Fucks in vexologist. That's his guy. Yeah. Vexologist. That's his, uh, that's his, uh, Tinder profile. Just instead, <laughs> instead of posting his, uh, his latest fish that he caught, it's just flags. <laughs> Look at these flags. Look at this um, shit. he also fit the description of the larger robber. Um, except that he had uh, thinning red hair, um, and because um, and because the uh, the parallels between that case and this one, uh, the FBI interviewed him in 1990. Um, uh, McDevitt would deny any involvement, and he also refused to take a polygraph test. Um, mm. And the the FBI ran his fingerprints, but did not find um, any matches with those found at the crime scene. Uh, McDevitt would later move to California. Um, where he, uh, where he was able to con his way into television and film writing, um, and he would die in 2004. I, I'm guessing he was like a Christopher Molisanti type like writer. I, I okay. don't think he was like a legitimate like genius like screenplay writer. Okay. He's just a fucking failure. Okay. Um, a a local gang, the Merlino gang, was suspected of being involved as well. Um, and that the FBI had announced um, significant progress into um, investigating them in March of 2013. Um, they had reported with, quote-unquote, with a high degree of confidence that they had identified the thieves, which they believed were members of the organization, 
um, which was active within the um, within the New England and Mid Atlantic region. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they believed that the artwork had been transported to Connecticut and Philadelphia in the years following the theft, um, and that a sale had been attempted in Philadelphia in two thousand two. Um, their knowledge of what had happened um, after that is limited, um, and they requested help from the public to locate and return the art. Why do they, I mean, I, I know why they always ask the public, but, like, that's like admitting, hey, we don't have shit. Can you help us, guys? And if I'm a thief and I see the police asking for help from the public, I mean, not for nothing, I'm going to be like, eh, hey, perfect. <laughs> they don't have um, shit. In, in 2015, um, the FBI uh, stated that both the, the thieves they suspected were deceased. Um, though the uh, FBI did not publicly identify any of these individuals, um, they this was from sources familiar with the investigation um, who said they were associated with the gang um, around the area of Dorchester at that time. Okay. Isn't that, um, isn't that the area, Dorchester, that's, that's wealthy? Nope. No, Dor- Dorchester no. is like the, uh, yeah. Dor- Dorchester is uh, in an area with Roxbury and Jamaica Plain that is not the place you want to get uh, caught uh, in an area you don't know where the fuck you are and the sun has gone down. And that's not even me trying to be funny. It is, inc- well, back in the day, it was incredibly dangerous area. Yeah, yep. All right. Well, all right then. Uh- well, it's, it's like one of those things where people talk about how like how terrifying like New York was in like the seventies and eighties, which it, like, on a, which it, I mean which it was it was yeah, uh, but, oh, yeah. but like Boston was the same way. Yeah, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> that one documentary, uh, what is it, eighty blocks from Tiffany's or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I um, I have th- no idea what you're talking about. There's a documentary called uh, I have to look it up the name of it, but it's like eighty blocks or something, or like forty blocks from Tiffany's. And it's a documentary mm-hmm. about these three street gangs in like the late seventies in New York. Like like the Warriors type era of like Eighty Blocks it's called Eighty Blocks from Tiffany's. And it came out in uh nineteen seventy nine. Um I definitely recommend watching it because it basically makes New York City look like which it was, it makes it look like Fallout. Like it's like Fallout three. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It's definitely uh, worth watching. Uh, the gang itself was uh, loyal to the uh, Boston Mafia boss uh, uh, Frank Selame, um, and they ran their operations out of an um, out of a car repair shop, which is owned by a, a known criminal, uh, Carmelo uh, Merlino. Okay. Alrighty. Um, um, and it's believed that uh, Merlino um, and his associates had gained knowledge of the museum's uh, flaws um, after a gangster, uh, Louis Royce, um, had cased the museum um, as early as 1981. Um, Royce had devised plans to um, uh, to associate um, light-up smoke bombs and to rush the galleries and miss, um, uh, during the confusion to steal uh, the artwork. Um, in 1982... Would that damage the artwork? Uh, it depends, but but I think the I, I I don't think these are like guys that would you know consider that. Um, okay. And, and I, <laughs> okay. And, and, fair. And, and, a bunch of fucking Boston idiots. That's fair. <laughs> and in 1982, um, undercover FBI agents who were investigating Royce and his associates uh, for another art theft uh, learned of his interest in the museum um, and warned the museum about the gang's plan to rob the museum. Um, but Royce, though, was in prison at the time of the robbery. Um, but Royce, though, had shared his plans uh, with associates 
um, and that um, they believe that uh, a noted associate, uh, Stephen uh, Rossetti, uh, may have ordered the robbery or shared it with someone else. Okay. Like you do. Um, within the Merlino gang, uh, Robert uh, uh, Gorente... You keep saying and Merlino, and I keep thinking of Skinny Joey from fucking Philadelphia. He's the current head of the Philadelphia mob. Um, and uh, Robert uh, Gentile... Um, who were associated with the Merlino gang, um, and they had uh, they had connections in the area. Um, uh, Guarte uh, died from cancer in 2004, and his widow, um, uh, uh, Eileen, um, told the FBI in 2010 that her husband had previously owned some of the paintings that had been stolen. Um, she claimed that when her husband got sick from cancer in the early 2000s, um, he gave the paintings to Gentile for safekeeping. Cambridge. Uh, um, Cambridge is the really expensive that's, thing. Yeah. That might be what I'm thinking I've been sitting of, yeah. here like, what the fuck well, is he talking Cambridge yeah. is where Harvard is. Yeah, like, I that's, say that's, where, that's where Harvard Yard is. I mean, that's where Harvard, that's what Harvard proper is, is in Cambridge. Got it. The, yeah. the, um, the, medical, the medical school is in, like, Boston proper, but Cambridge is incredibly fucking wealthy. Um, Gentile would deny the accusations. Um, and that he claims he was never given any of the paintings and knew nothing about them. Um, uh, federal authorities would indict uh, Gentile on drug charges in 2012, um, likely to pressure him to give information about the, the stolen paintings. Um, he would submit to a polygraph test, uh, which indicated he was lying uh, when he denied any knowledge of the theft or location of the artwork. Hmm. Um, he, he maintained that he was telling the truth and would demand a retest. And during the retest... Um, he said that um, uh, Eileen had once shown him the missing uh, Rembrandt uh, self-portrait to which the polygraph machine indicated he was telling the truth. Mm. Um, but polygraphs are to be trusted. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gentile's lawyer uh, felt that the veracity of Gentile's uh, claims were being affected by the large presence of federal agents and requested a smaller meeting in hopes that it would get Gentile to speak honestly. In a more intimate meeting, uh, Gentile maintained that he did not have any information. Okay. Um, a few days later, the FBI would storm uh, Gentile's house in uh, Manchester uh, with a search warrant. Um, they found um, uh, beneath uh, his backyard shed under a, a false floor uh, a hidden uh, a secret ditch, but it was empty. Um, Gentile's son had explained that the ditch had flooded a few years prior and that his father was upset about whatever was stored there. Hmm. Um, in the basement, they found a copy of the Boston Herald from March 1990, uh, reporting the theft along with a piece of paper indicating what each piece might sell for on the black market. Um, beyond this, no other conclusive evidence was found um, and um, or anything to indicate that he had ever had the paintings. Um, Gentile would go to prison for 30 months on drug charges, um, and, um, and he did not share any information after that point that could have led to finding the paintings. Um, later on, after he got out of prison, he would speak with an investigative reporter, uh, Stephen uh, uh, Kirkjian, and claim that he had been framed by the FBI. Um, he explained that the imprisonment had been detrimental to his fi uh, financial and personal life, um, and he also explained that the list found in his basement was written up by a criminal trying to broker the return of the works uh, from Garante and was talking to Garante as an intermediary. Um, when he was asked about what he had kept in the ditch, uh, Gentile could not recall, but he believed it could have been small motors. Small motors? 
how small? Are we talking about like like handheld razor, electric razor motor, or like small motors, like go kart motors? Like what? Small motors are real big gray area on these, that one. I gotta... These are the finest two stroke <laughs> engines you've ever seen. <laughs> Listen, you ain't never gonna find a beard, mo- uh, uh, electric beard razor motor nicer than this one. It's a Braun, got zero miles on it. Yep. <laughs> Your face is gonna be baby smooth once you get this. You're gonna look like Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> you have the smoothest fucking face in all of Malden, okay? <laughs> um, uh, another uh, Merlino associate who was considered to be a suspect was David Turner. Um, he, the FBI began investigating him in 1992 uh, with a source that had told the FBI that Turner had access to the paintings. Uh, Merlino had been uh, arrested the same year for, uh, for cocaine trafficking. And I told authorities that he would uh, that he could return the paintings for a reduced prison sentence. Oh um, man, this sounds like a good movie. What happened with this fucking clown? He <laughs> asked um, he asked Turner uh, to track down the paintings for him, uh, but Turner failed um, to though he had heard that they were in a church in South Boston. A church in Southie? Yeah. Another another associate who had been arrested in a drug sting. Uh, told authorities uh, that Turner had been involved in several break-ins, but never mentioned the heist. Um, Based on conversations that were had with Merlino, um, after his release from prison in the mid-1990s, authorities gathered that Merlino had never had direct access to the paintings, but possibly could broker their return. Um, Mm. So, despite his claims of innocence, the FBI considered him a suspect. Um, evidence indicates that he went to Florida to pick up a cocaine order just days before the heist occurred. Um, but, but credit card records suggest he, um, that he had remained in Boston through the night of the robbery, but some investigators believe this may have been Turner's attempt at creating an alibi. Uh, um, okay. I don't think he's that smart, but okay. The, uh, the FBI, uh, think that, um, another thief that was involved with him was a, an associate of him in Merlino named, uh, George, uh, Reisfelder. Um, but George Reisfelder died in July of 1991. Um, no clues ha. were found at his apartment or other homes um, of friends and relatives, um, but his siblings recall uh, a painting similar to the Shea uh, Tortoni in his bedroom. Uh, again, with the uh, just just having it like tacked on the walls and his like just just fucking push pants, he just, and it's still like rolly. You know what I'm saying? Like you he, put the poster on the wall, but you can tell it's mother, still motherfucker does probably doesn't even have a um doesn't have a bed frame and box ma- uh, box mattress. It's just a mattress. No box spring, yeah. No pillowcase. No dirty fucking rust colored pillow from his sweat. Just a priceless work of art on the wall. Just. Just, no, no, just no tax. Sticky, sticky tack. You know, like just, the, like oh, just dressed like Millhouse's, just dressed like Millhouse's dad. Like showed it to you, like beard his hand, like hey, look at this. <laughs> it's my most prized possession. I got a Rembrandt up on my wall. It's like in his bathroom over his toilet. Some ski foos is in there. It's like, wow, I didn't know you were into art. <laughs> That's so sexy. So unusual. <laughs> Um, you don't think and, there's and not it, a lot of cool guys in this neighborhood? So much fucking Aquanet you're and eyeshadow. So, <laughs> that's that's her so, name. That's her name, Aquanet you're, eyeshadow. You're so sophisticated. That's her yeah. cyberpunk RPG name. Huge, wall? Yeah, yeah man, a culture. earrings. <laughs> Popping bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> wearing, wearing, a, wearing a neon colored halter top. 
Oh my god. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a little too right? hot for me, buddy. With the little sweatbands, too. Like the yellow sweatbands. <laughs> just just the Your Irish version. looks like shit, Ricky. You gotta clean this up now. Just the Irish version of, of Marissa Tomei from My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> because they didn't have a carburetor in 1960. Whatever. Um... <laughs> uh, and they also believe that Reisfelder matched the um, the the slimmer of the two thieves um, in police sketches. That's fucking offensive. <laughs> yeah, listen, we're pricking you up because you're uh, you're actually in better shape than your buddy. <laughs> a little been uh, visiting donkeys a little bit too much there. Little donkey <laughs> D's. Tell them to lay off the crawlers. <laughs> um, oh man, in I used to crush those, the donkey uh, D crawlers. Bro, the crawlers are not to be fucked with. They're so good. Right. Um, People in 1999, sleep on that. They're not really donuts. Uh, no, they're crawlers. Yeah. That's why they're called yeah. crawlers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that for a long time. I didn't know that they were not actually considered donuts. They're separate. Yeah, because they're not fried. They're baked, I believe. Mm. I think that, Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, so in, in 1999, uh, Turner, Merlino, and Rossetti, as well as others associates, would be arrested by the FBI... Um, in a sting operation um, where they plan to rob a, a Loomis Fargo vault. Um, when Turner was brought in for questioning, they told him that they had information that he had participated in the Gardner robbery and that if he returned the paintings, they would let him go. He told the authorities he did not know who stole the paintings nor where they could be hidden. That's a smart thing. That's a smart play. In his, no idea, uh, guys. It's like, the, in his, it's like no. that one lawyer on TikTok says, if the police say they have somebody in the other room who's, who's confessing to the whole thing, tell them to charge that guy. Um, <laughs> in, in 2001, um, at his trial, uh, he claimed entrapment that the FBI let the Loomis Fargo plot proceed so they could pressure him for information about the Gardner paintings. Um, the jury found him guilty, though, and he was sent to prison. Um, Bye! Walpole uh, State. Yes, where you going there, kid? Walpole uh, State. Haul at you. Turner Turner knew Gentile through uh, uh, Guarente, and in 2010 wrote a letter to Gentile asking if he could call Turner's former girlfriend to assist in recovering the paintings. Um, in cooperation with the FBI, uh, Gentile would speak with Turner's girlfriend, and he told him that, th- that Turner wanted him to speak with two of his ex-convict friends in Boston. Uh, the FBI wanted Gentile to meet the men and send an FBI undercover agent with him, but Gentile did not want to cooperate further. Um, Turner would be freed in November of 2019, uh, one month after uh, Stephen Rossetti was let out of prison. Uh, Merlino had died in prison in 2005. Okay. I think one of the most interesting of the ones that are a suspect is Bobby Donati. Um, Bobby Donati. All right. uh, Bobby Donati. <laughs> Uh, was murdered in 1991 in the midst of a gang war within the Patriarcha crime family. Um, the the Patriarcha crime family in the early 90s uh, was in chaos uh, because Raymond Patriarcha Sr., who had led the crime family uh, for several, uh, for around uh, 60, 50, 60 years, um, he had died in the mid-80s and his son, uh, Raymond Patriarcha Jr., had taken over. Um, but what had happened was was that the FBI had so thoroughly infiltrated and broken the crime family that uh, Junior had to step down and there were sort of these leadership struggles as subsequent bosses were also uh, hit by the FBI. Okay. And then what later came out was that the Whitey Bulger working with the FBI for the better part of, of 40 years, or is probably closer to, to 30 years, um, essentially working with FBI agents 
to further his own interests and further their interests at the expense of most of the organized crime in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this, like an all-out civil war breaks out within the gang, so people are getting bumped off left and right as people are taking control, different vying interests in the crime family. Just like New York, as soon as there's that little itty-bitty crack, everybody, it's just a feeding frenzy for trying to get to the top. Well, the the patriarchal thing was so bad because, like, one of the th- evidence that the FBI had was that they had recorded, like, the like the induction ceremony into the mafia. Yeah. And they had, like, 13 guys recorded being in a part of this. Like, they had dead to rights evidence that these guys were in the mafia. Oh, God. You're so fucked when that comes up. Like, if a cop pulls you off to the side and says, listen, man, like... I got you on tape at your induction ceremony, like, you know, giving a little bit of blood and all that other fucking... They don't use a sword. There's no picture of a saint. Hey, Five fucking families, and we got this pygmy thing in New Jersey. (laughs) I saw a crow. Uh, Yeah, I saw a crow. Um, (laughs) Don't get cunty with me, Chrissy. Don't get cunty. Uh, Hey, don't get cunty. Mix it with the relish. (laughs) Rest in peace. Oh um, God, Polly Walnuts. So his his involvement with the theft was uh, suspected um, after a a New England art thief named Miles J. Connor Jr. Uh, spoke with authorities about it. Um, Connor, who was in jail at the time of the heist, um, believed that Donati and a criminal named David uh, Houghton were the masterminds. Um, Connor had worked with Donati in the past um, doing art heists and claimed that the two cased the Gardner Museum where Donati took interest in the um, in the finial. I just want to point out this entire case just reinforces my um, stance that if you're going to commit crime, you do it with no co-defendants, you do it by yourself, nobody knows nothing. Yep. Because the only thing that is true in crime is that if nobody talks, everybody walks. Yep. The problem is somebody always runs their fucking mouth. And as we're seeing... Everybody's got a fucking theory as to who did it. And who did it, out of these people's mouths, always seems to be like some known criminal in the underground or the underworld somewhere. So what I'm saying is, your first one right out the gate, you don't know anybody, you're working alone, just hit something big, and you're nobody's going to know. The cops going to be like, duh, we don't fucking know. Can we ask the public for help? News Channel 7, can you run a story about how we're fucking... I mean, I hate I help? hate to, like, aid and abet here, but the, the, you're right. The two things that are the most important... Every lawyer says it, is number one, just shut the fuck up. Don't talk to the cops. If the, if you're even suspected, like, even if you're innocent, just shut the fuck up. Lawyer. If they're, I want a lawyer. That's all I got to say. I want a lawyer. Yeah. Those four words will save your fucking ass. Yeah. I want a lawyer. So, but, you know, I mean, like, you could t- if you get pulled over for speeding, it's whatever. But if you're, like, if they're accusing you of committing a crime, then it's yeah, like, okay, well, wait a minute. I need a lawyer. We're talking big shit. Yeah. yeah. Do not fucking talk. you to the police department, the precinct, wherever it is, and they're saying, hey, we need to talk to you. Nah, where's my, I need an attorney. Not, I'm not talking. Like, shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking mouth, or you're going to pr- you're going to prison. I swear to God, you're going to prison. If you've never watched the first forty eight, you open your mouth, you're going to prison, and you can't do that kind of time, bro. The kind of shit that they got you in interrogation room for? Nope, you can't do that time. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you got a, a sliver of a chance. It's insane. It's insane how simple it is. But it's that thing where Maybe. criminals have to be right uh, every single time. The cops only have to get right once, and, and most of the time, it's some just... guy talking. They what? just sink themselves, too. Like, that's the funniest part is when they sink themselves. They'll go in there, and at first, they're like, nah, man, nah, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And then, it, at, like, 37 business minutes in, they're like, yeah, okay, so listen, it was me. Look, it wasn't me online. I was at AOL Minutes. <laughs> 
but I was in the car. I didn't do nothing. They went inside and robbed the place. I didn't do anything. I was sitting outside. I was not the driver. I was in the back passenger seat. They told me we were going to get some wings at Market Basket. I just was like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on. <laughs> the AC was on. They were Look, playing did my you favorite find, music. Did you find any buffalo sauce at the scene of the crime? Because my fingers were blasted with that buffalo sauce. <laughs> I was sitting Flavor in the car blasted. eating wings. <laughs> But that's it, man. Just shut the fuck up. And if you're gonna do crime, you gotta do it alone. I tell you what, officer. Somebody else officer, to prison. I'll answer your questions, but let me ask you. You go to Market Basket. You get the wings. Do you get the blue cheese at a ranch? Ran- <laughs> your, your ranch. I'm not answering anything. Get me a lawyer. <laughs> Goodbye. Get me a lawyer. Your lawyer. Blue cheese. I understand where you're, you're, fu- where you're coming from. We might be able to. Yeah, talk you're a, a jerk off. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, Connor had claimed that that Hofton had uh, had visited him in jail after the heist and said that that he and Donati had organized it, and were going to use the paintings to get Connor out of jail. Um, so they likely borrowed this idea uh, from Connor, um, as he had returned uh, art in the past to reduce uh, sentences he had gotten for stealing. Um, so um, even though Donati and, and Haunton's appearance did not fit the witness's description, uh, Connor suggested that they probably hired low-level, uh, low-level gangsters to carry out the robbery. Uh, like Donati... Uh, Hofton had died within uh, two years of the robbery, uh, though his was from illness rather than being uh, murdered in a, uh, a mafia war. Um, okay. Connor told investigators that he could assist in returning the garden and works in exchange for the museum's uh, posted reward in his freedom. Uh, when investigators did not give in to his demands uh, due to lack of evidence, he suggested that they speak with a criminal um, antique dealer named William P. Youngworth. Um, so, acting on his lead, the FBI opened a case on Youngworth and conducted raids on his home and antique stores um, in the 1990s. Um, this would uh, catch the attention of a journalist, Tom Mashbrook, who began talking with Youngworth in 1997 about the theft. Tom Haverford. Uh, uh, one night in, um, in August of 1997, Youngworth called Mashbrook and told him that he had proof um, he could return the Gardner paintings um, under the right conditions. Uh, Youngworth uh, picked up Mashburg from the Boston Herald offices and drove him to a warehouse in um, Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, Youngworth led him inside a storage unit and several large, um, um, with several large cylinder tubes in it. Um, he removed one painting from its tube and unfurled it, showing it to Mashburg under a flashlight. It appeared to be um, the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Mm. Um, he, he noticed cracking along the canvas and the edges were cut in a manner consistent with the museum's reports, um, as well as Rembrandt's signature on the ship's rudder. Uh, Mashberg wrote that his experience, uh, wrote about his experiences in the Herald, uh, leaving out details to hide Youngworth's identity in the painting's location. Um, he reported that his, um, informant had told him the robbery was pulled off by five men and identified two. Uh, Donati was one of the robbers, and Hofton was responsible with moving the art to a safe house. Um, the FBI had discovered the location of the warehouse uh, several months later and raided it, finding nothing. <laughs> Wild goose chase. Good job, guys. Um, the veracity of Youngworth's claims and the uh, authenticity of the painting shown to Mashburg are disputed. Um, Youngworth uh, supplied paint, chicks, uh, paint chips to Mashburg. Um, and authorities reported that they were indeed from Rembrandt's era, but did not match oils used for the sea, uh, the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Uh, the the way Mashberg described the painting as being uh, unfurled uh, was also uh, scrutinized, as the stolen painting was covered with heavy varnish that would not be rolled easily. 
federal authorities in the museum began uh, working with Youngworth after the story was published, uh, but Youngworth made uh, negotiations difficult. Um, he would not work with authorities unless his demands could be met, which included full immunity and Connor's release from jail. Um, uh, for a number of reasons in this, the authorities were skeptical, uh, skeptical of Youngworth um, and only offered partial immunity. Uh, hmm. the, the U.S. attorney overseeing the case eventually ceased talks with Youngworth um, unless he could provide more reliable evidence um, that he had access to the Gardner works. Um, Youngworth would again provide a vial of paint chips, uh, reportedly from the Sea of Galilee, and 25 uh, color photographs of the painting and a lady and a gentleman in black. Um, a joint statement from the museum and federal investigators announced that the chips were not from the, the stolen Rembrandts, uh, though they did test as being from the 17th century and could potentially be from the concert. Okay, so it wasn't. I was. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say this asshole scraped paint off a wall and just put it in a vial. <laughs> But it was it was dated to the 17th century. Yeah, he he actually put some thought into it and did use chips from a a painting from that era. Okay. Um, in, in 2014, uh, uh, sir, this is cerulean blue from the Home Depot. <laughs> this is fucking. <laughs> paint. This is Ralph Lauren top of the line paint. <laughs> I got this mixed uh, by Lori at 3.13 p.m. on Tuesday Bro, you didn't even get this from Home Depot You went to True Value What the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> it's a classic Bob Vila Rembrandt <laughs> You'll see the flex of gold in there It's highly valuable um, in, in 2014 uh, uh, Investigative reporter uh, Stephen uh, Kirkjian uh, Would write Tim, to Tim Kirkjian uh, who would write to a uh, gangster named uh, Vincent Ferrara, um, who was Donati's superior during the period of the uh, the gang war that ripped Man, these the guys Patriot are Italian. Out. You know how I know because there's a Donati, there's a Donato's pizza, mm-hmm. and there's a Ferrara's mm-hmm. pizza. Um, dur- during the period of the of the the mob war, um, inquiring that if he had inf- any information about the the theft. Um, he would receive a call back from an associate of Ferrara who explained the FBI was wrong in suspecting the Merlino gang and claimed that Donati had organized a robbery. The caller would go on to explain that Donati had visited Ferrara in jail about three months before the theft um, after the latter was charged for murder and told Ferrara that he was going to do something to get him out of jail. Uh, Several months later, uh, Ferrara heard news about the Gardner theft after which Donati visited him again and confirmed to Ferrara that he was involved in the robbery. He claimed to have uh, 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 buried the artwork and would start a negotiation for his release once the investigation cooled down. Uh, the negotiations would never occur because Donati was murdered in the mob war. Um, Kurt Jim believes Donati was motivated to free Ferrara from prison uh, because Ferrara could protect him um, in the ensuing gang war. Um, a, fr- a, a friend of uh, Guarante... Uh, also corroborated that Donati organized the robbery and that Donati gave the paintings uh, to Garante um, uh, when he had become concerned for his own safety. Um, Donati was uh, close friends with Garante. Um, The two were seen at a local social club in Revere shortly before the robbery with a bag of uh, police uniforms as well. Mm, A bag of police uniforms. Like, like, it, like it's a milk it. cereal or something, you know? I just <laughs> Like, that's a normal thing to carry around, 100% un- inconspicuous. <laughs> yeah, I got these uh, police uniforms, and I also got uh, 
They're, they're like Fruit Loops. They're, they're, they're the same, but they got a different name on them, and they come in a bag instead of a box. They're cheaper, um, but the they're just as good. Obvious is if this is a fucking wardrobe, like a garment bag, just like a clear garment bag over their shoulder. I'm guessing that's what it was. I don't think they had like a duffel bag full of like ruffled police uniforms. I was thinking that they had like a goddamn, like, yeah, like a paper bag or like a stop and shop bag, like a plastic bag that just got the shit just stuffed in. Inconspicuous, guys. Stop drawing attention to yourself, you fucking morons. <laughs> and to this day, um, the, the theft um, from the museum is unsolved. Um, so we don't know who stole the Isabella Stewart Gardner uh, Museum works, um, and their return uh, seems somewhat unlikely, considering the fact after 30 years they have not surfaced, um, and no one's found them. Nah, those are gone. Those are gone. Goddamn. That's... <laughs> I mean, it's sad because it's it's art, but also like yeah, bro, but art. You need to, but you high need to art like that it. is generally used for fucking money laundering. So fuck them. Like if if some everyday guys yeah, got true. away with stealing some art, I'm okay with that. But if it was actually like the mob or something like that, I mean, most yeah, of the time fair. it's used for money laundering. There's there's a really good episode, um, or I should say a season of a podcast called Crime Town. Um, that's about um, organized crime in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and how I've already listened uh, to Come Town. It's a great it's a great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but but it involves. Um, I refuse the, to the participate patri- in a non-stabby based Come Town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, um, bro, yeah, I don't want listen. Point blank, nope. But but it essentially follows. Um, sort of like crime in uh, Providence around that time and uh, with the patriarch uh, uh, crime family. Mm. Um, but it also goes into um, who's at the time. Um, he, he's a, he's a prosecutor who eventually becomes uh, mayor of Providence, a uh, buddy Cianci. Oh like, he even yeah, talk- yeah. I know that. Oh, he even talks that at the, familiar? he even talks at the GOP um, in, I think it's in 1975. It's like right before the election with Carter. And he, he was like an up and coming star in the, in the Republican party. And he, he does a speech about how, like, about like essentially like racism against Italians. Like, like why is buddy Cianci so familiar to me? Was that the school on King of the Hill? Well, no. And, um, but, but, but buddy Cianci would go away for like massive federal. That does sound like a buddy Cianci junior high or something like that. How do you spell his name? C I A N C I. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he was Buddy. No, C- Buddy Cianci Junior High is the school from Family, uh, Guy. Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what it I is. I knew it wasn't crazy. I knew I heard that before. I knew I heard Buddy Cianci Junior High before. Okay. But but he was ironically the also the anti-corruption uh, uh, candidate in the <laughs> the 1974 uh, mayoral race for mayor of Providence. Oh God. Uh, also, just so you know, anybody who claims to be anti-whatever. Uh, they're guilty of doing that. Like, hey, uh, recent history, who's that uh, crime, uh, that no crime, that tough on crime candidate that we had? Oh, God, like 2016, maybe he was elected. He was a tough on crime candidate. Um, being investigated for the fucking Espionage Act. <laughs> yeah, because anything he says, any accusation he makes is a confession. Anything that anybody ever tells you, I'm the tough on crime, I'm the fucking anti-pedophilia, bro, I'm checking your records because you've been diddling kids if you say that. Like, I, I just don't trust you if you're that hard against something. You are. Getting- hey, he was only illegally transporting children across national lines <laughs> through... Sorry, 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 sorry. I, yeah, I, I yeah ease up, pal. 
Jesus Christ. And he cut him cut him some slack, you know. He grew up in the in the house from the Truman show. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Okay. Do y'all think do y'all think just hear I me. often think, yes. Do you think if I had nuclear secrets or like let's just say nuclear launch codes, we know it wasn't like launch codes, but like this is for this ease of conversation. It doesn't even matter what it was. I have in my possession nuclear launch codes. Do you think the federal government is going to be even a a thousandth of as nice to me as they were to him? No, you're in jail. Politely asking. No, you're in jail. uh, Politely asking again. Subpoenaing. Subpoenaing again. A nice plainclothes raid so we don't upset anybody. Yeah, they would come through my fucking windows (laughs) like a fucking SWAT team. There's been a number of cases involving, um, like, uh, Chinese Americans, either either immigrants or people who were born in America who were suspected of, like, spying for China in, like, sort of, like, the nuclear and other, like, military contractor areas. And, like, the police just, like, just run roughshod over them, the FBI. They just, like, murder them. They just go in there, just guns blazing, just murder them. Just throwing flashbangs and cribs and shit. Just murder Moida. them. Moida. Fuck. Well, well, some of them, like the ones that were, the ones that actually were agents, are, are hilarious when you read the details. Because, like, the one guy was talking to his wife in Chinese about like where they had the items hidden or whatever. What's up, Binchi Ling? Binchi Ling. Like, 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 don't worry, they're not going to find it. It's hidden here, here, there, and there. And then one of the agents who was with them was like, "You know, I speak Chinese, right?" <laughs> 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 just the uh, most presidential people, uh, man. Just the man. most presidential people from top to bottom. Oh my god! All right. God damn it! And that is the the end of it, right? Yes. All right. Well, now I want to go watch that documentary again. Now I want to go watch the town again. Yeah, I'm watching the bear right now. That's so far very good, very good show. Yeah, Yeah, it actually gives me kind of, like, PTSD vibes. Like, apparently, if you're a restaurant worker, it'll give you flat-out PTSD. But, uh, phenomenal show. Now you really need to go watch it. Yeah. It's a very realistic portrayal of people working in a a restaurant. Is it as realistic as waiting was in, like, 2004? It's... I would say more so. (gasps) Yeah, it's it's getting a lot of good uh, reviews, and so far I really like it. Like, it reminds me of, of when I was younger and worked, like harder like odd job kind of things you know what's it on hulu yeah it's on yeah, hulu yeah. and it's and it's one of those like shows where like the first episode sucks <laughs> but it's it's pretty accurate because like everybody who works in the restaurant like hates each other right and like they're just yelling at each other all the time and like they're, they're trying to struggle to make like payroll and stuff like that yeah so it's a legit oh, i've seen this it's got the kid from um shameless yeah yeah it's got the kid from shameless in it okay yeah. i've seen previews for this oh, okay yeah okay, i didn't realize that was what you were talking about all right okay. all right boys i'm gonna head out it's 5 30 i need food i heard that i'm gonna go uh plan a heist by myself in grand theft auto in, grand theft auto. <laughs> in minecraft all right. in payday all right later later, later.